In the fall of 2017, God willing, we'll be turning the key on a brand new facility right over there. A gymnasium that will house basketball and volleyball games and other activities Monday through Saturday. And on the weekends, a worship setting for Gateway Community Church. We had no idea, but God knew. Build your I don't know what Scott Long is complaining about. It only took two and a half minutes to build that building. <laughs> we are really, really glad and honored that you're here. Honored those of you who are visiting with us. Thank you. I'm going to actually have a word for you in, at the end of what we say today. And old friends, thank you for coming as well. You are, as you know, you're part of our story, and we have not forgotten that. So thank you for revisiting. I want to do three things today. First, I want to tell you why I'm wearing this hat. It says Key West, and I'm not wearing it today for Florida. This is coincidental, but we do need to remember Florida. I'm also, contrary to rumor, I'm not wearing it to preserve the people in the front from my bald head and the light shining off of it. So I'll explain the hat in a minute. Then I want to talk about how we built this building. So how did we build this building? And then then the third thing I want to talk about is why we built this building. But let's kick this off with a a reading of Scripture. And I'm going to read from Psalm 127, a great epic passage of Scripture. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses of Psalm 127. And I'm going to ask you to do something for me. We occasionally do this at Gateway, and I'm sorry for the popping. Just consider that me emphasizing something. Let's go old school, and if you would, let's stand out of reverence for God's Word. And I'm going to read Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. And I'm guessing if I'm doing something wrong, just come let me know. We're still figuring stuff out, so bear with us. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. 
In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So Father, I pray that your spirit would inhabit this place and you would enable us to hear from you, press past our defenses, and, and help us to brag about Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, so you may be seated. We started almost 20 years ago when First Baptist Church of Alexandria, a great, very open, mission-minded church, said, let's plant some churches in Northern Virginia because those of you who've been here for a while know and you'll remember this area was exploding with growth. So their vision was to plant five churches in the Northern Virginia area and they asked my wife and I to move. We were pastoring a church in the Boston area and they asked us to move down with our three young children who are now grown to plant a church in this area. The first thing we did or one of the first things that we did in that effort is we would go door to door and we did this thousands of homes. We'd go knock on people's doors. I did this a lot by myself, and then uh, there were quite a few who connected to us, very early families at Gateway, that would, occasionally some of them would go with me, and once in a while I would take my children, just so people wouldn't think I was a complete weirdo, and I would go knock on your doors. And I'd say, hey, it flashed my biggest toothy grin. My name is Ed Allen, and I'm in the area to plan a new church. Would you like to be part of a new church? I didn't really do that. I, I would say to them, look, we're not soliciting. I'm just trying to find out information, which I really was. We had pastored a church in the city for a number of years, and I didn't grow up in the city, but that had been all of my ministry, and I didn't know the suburbs. I thought you people were weird, and you lived in huge houses, and so I would go knock on your doors, and I'd say, look, I've got a survey. It'll take five minutes, and incredibly, you were very, very friendly. I think you were friendlier than you, uh, 20 years ago than you are now. So you would answer my questions, and I had seven questions. Tell me how long you've been in Northern Virginia, what brought you to Northern Virginia. One of the questions was always, if you were looking for a church, what kind of things would you look for? And some of what we do here today at Gateway are, came out of some of the answers to those questions. I didn't mean to tell you this, so when I get off on telling a story, every now and then somebody raise your hand because that means we might go too long, but I'm going to go off script for a second. One of my favorite interactions was with a young man who was getting some tools out of a garage. I didn't even have to knock on his door. I just walked up. It was a townhome in South Riding. Now, at the time, there were about 400, not about, there were almost exactly 400 homes in South Riding, and there was nothing else here. So this, where we are today, this is what my mother, who's no longer living, but my mother would call this 10 miles west of nowhere. I was knocking on doors in South Riding. I go up to this townhome, and a guy's getting tools out of the garage. And I walk up to him and say, hi, my name's Ed Allen. I'm doing a survey, planting a church in the area. He said, you don't want to talk to me. And I said, why is that? He said, you know, actually, I'm not religious at all. And I said, you're exactly the person I'd like to talk to. So we had this really interesting dialogue. At the end of our dialogue, I say to him, you know, if you were looking for a church, what kind of things would you look for? Well, you know, I'm not really looking for a church. Oh, okay. Well, if you did, let me write something down on my piece of paper. And he thought for a second, he said, you know, this is interesting, because I just got back. Uh, my grandfather died in Alabama, and I just got back from my grandfather's funeral in Alabama, and it was amazing. They were involved in a church down there, and people were bringing over food constantly, and they were, I mean, they weren't even asking. They were just mowing the grass for my grandmother, taking out trash for my grandmother. And I got to say, it was really cool. I'd like to have something like that, and I gave him my 
20-cent line. I said, you know, you don't get that without investing. So in order to have the kind of community that we long for, that we were made for, you and I, we have to invest. So I'm glad you made at least a minor investment today. Thank you so much, especially, I got to say, those of you who kind of seen the building going up and you want to connect to something, or maybe even those of you that came to something that we did yesterday and you thought, yeah, I'm going to go check that out again. Thank you for checking that out. We'd love for you to continue to participate with us if this is a place where you feel like you could invest, because we'd love to invest in you. All right, that had nothing to do with what I was talking about. So the first thing we did was knock on doors, and then we also gathered a small group of people, our first and second small groups. Dean, the guy who was up here a few moments ago, was one of the people in, in our second small group. By the way, after knocking on hundreds, maybe thousands of homes, there were only two families that ended up coming to Gateway as a result of all that door knocking, and both of them are still part of Gateway, and Dean and his wife are one of those. I knocked on Dean's door. Dean wasn't as friendly as most of you, but he ended up coming. So we started a small group, and in that process, we probably had, I don't know, there were 35 of us, Rob, and 20 of them were kids. And this Northern Virginia developer calls me one day. He takes me out to lunch. He drives up in a Jaguar, and he's taking me to a nice restaurant in Tyson's. And I thought, hot dog, this guy has heard how awesome I am. He wants to be part of our church, and he's got a lot of money. This is awesome. So we sat down, and it took me 10 minutes to realize, wait, he's trying to sell me a piece of property. He had maps, and he had his computer open, and I thought this was ridiculous. And so I said no, and he said, I wish he was here, and I'm going to interview him sometime this fall for you guys. I've reconnected with Brian in the last few weeks, and he said, which if you know Brian is true to form, Brian said, you're an idiot. Turns out he's right. (laughs) Here's the moral of that story. I tried to say no to this property twice, and God wouldn't let that happen. Because God's bigger than I am, and he's a lot smarter than I am. So when you wander through these halls, and I appreciate the applause and the thank you, especially for those of you who are part of Gateway. Uh, Earlier today, Eric Foch, who's playing the drums, said, you know, congratulations. And I said, you too, Eric. He said, this is awesome. I said, this is awesome. And then later we went back to pray right before a worship time, and Eric said, you know, you should have hit me. This is not congratulations to us. This is congratulations to God. Because this was not strategic planning. This wasn't great thinking. We weren't on top of things saying, how can we make this happen? And that's the point of what I'm going to say this morning. It's not about us making it happen, really. That's not how you and I were designed to live. So we get this property. This organization, Virginia Baptist Extension Board, takes the property for us. They bought this property in our name, held it for five years, and then sold it to us for what they bought it for. Hello, those of you who have been in Northern Virginia for a while, they could have sold that property for a lot of money. And they decided not to do so. Instead, they honored us and honored their agreement and honored the word that they felt like they had had from God, and they sold us the property for what they bought it for. The church began to grow early on, and we had kids and youth coming. A couple of them are back today, and we had families come. We had some families connect to us who were spiritually clueless, but were just really interested in what we were doing and wanted to hear. 
and they really liked what was happening. We had some other families who were new to the area and looking for a church, and they hated the idea that we met in the school, but they decided to come anyway, and they connected to us and became co-laborers. We had other folks who came and had just disconnected from church because church had become completely irrelevant and immaterial in their lives, and they decided to start coming and to connect with us. And over time, God just built us into a little group because we're constantly convinced, and I'll say it again this morning before I finish. Nobody comes here by accident. So folks began to connect with us, and we got a good thing going, and we decided, hey, it's time to build. Let's build a building. And so we announced that to our congregation, and we get pretty excited about it, and we have a giving campaign. We ask our folks to begin praying and then giving, and they do so, and our congregation gives $800,000 over the course of several months, and we're super excited about moving out to this area Gum Spring Road is not in yet. So, you know, we're breaking new ground in the area. Tall Cedars, which is, they tell me, it's scheduled, by the way, I'm not supposed to say this out loud. Matt Letourneau would not like this, but they say it's supposed to be next spring. He's hoping by December Tall Cedars can be all the way through to South Riding, Stone Ridge. Let's just give Tall Cedars a round of applause. <laughs> we've been waiting on Tall Cedars for a long time, and here's why. Because for some weird reason it has to do with freaky geology that scientists like Rick Stark deal with and the county, you can't get sewer from the other side of Gum Spring Road. So if you live in Stone Ridge, Kirkpatrick Farm, sewers to the west. If you're in South Riding or any of the neighborhoods on this side, sewers to the east. And never the twain shall meet. So we found out that our project was really, really complicated, and we could not get sewer to our property until they finished Tall Cedars Parkway. And we could bring it to ourselves. You're saying to yourself, yes, we could at a ticket price of about $2 million. And none of you were here then, so we couldn't get your $2 million to, <laughs> to be able to, to pay for that. So what we realized is, hey, we could build a great building, but we're just going to have to ask all of you to use the bathroom before you come because we can't build restrooms. There was one challenge after another, and after a while, we began to realize it's inevitable. We're going to have to stop the building project and the giving campaign. So we come to this realization slowly over 2009. What happened was the recession hit, and those of you who've lived here long enough, you'll remember all development in this area everywhere actually stopped in that period, and we just got to the point where we could not continue. So we had to tell our congregation, stop giving, we can't build. At the same time, we had some leadership challenges and we had some staffing challenges. And it became an extremely discouraging time for the senior leadership in our congregation. And that began, of course, as it always does, that began to filter down to the rest of the congregation as well. This was a really tough period for us, and it was a period of thinking, you know, what and how and why, and personally a period for me of asking questions like, am I the right person to do this, and is this a call for persistence, or am I just being stubborn and getting in the way of God? In the middle of this process, the fall of 2009, Diane and I, my wife, my beautiful wife, she and I had been married at that point for 25 years. We were married when we were nine. <laughs> we took our 25th wedding anniversary and we went to Florida. And we decided we would do the state of Florida. 
And we have a friend who has a gorgeous place on the West Coast, and we went there for a week, and then we spent a week kind of going across Florida and experimenting, and then a little bit in Miami, and then we went to the Keys. And we ended up in Key West, and, you know, we did our best imitation of Margaritaville while we were there and just had a great time. But during that time, I began to kind of think and pray about what was happening with Gateway and what was next for us. I came to some really clear conclusions. You know how you do when you do this. When you're stressed or you're pressed or you, there's so much on you that you just feel like you've got to have some answer. So you reach for an answer that will protect your emotions and guard against disappointment, or you reach for an answer that will allow you to have more control over your situation, or you just reach for an answer that will make sense. And so I felt really spiritual. I spent some time, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking. I'm not hearing anything. My heart is really hurt, disappointed. And I came to the conclusion, okay, I guess we're not going to build And I'm not going to be the person that will do this. And I'm okay with that. That's perfectly okay. Gateway is just going to continue to be what it's been. And I'm perfectly okay with that. And I had one of those experiences where God spoke to me. Now, if you're not very religious, I know that sounds incredibly weird to you. But it's true. This has happened to me a couple of handful of times in my life. I've even had an experience, I won't tell you because it'll take too long and it'll be a diversion, but I've even had an experience where I think you might have spoken to me out loud. I've had a number of occasions where I believe that God has spoken something into my life and into my heart. And usually those experiences are God's Spirit speaking something to me that amounts to a sentence. And what it communicates is an encyclopedia. So I'm explaining to myself, I guess this is where we are, and I guess this is what's going to happen, and I'm feeling sorry for myself, not realizing it, and I'm helping protect my own emotions, not realizing it. And God says to me, will you be patient? And what that communicated to me was, this is going to happen. Just be patient. And up to this point, you have, by hook and by crook, you've tried to force this thing and make this happen. Let me build it. Because when the laborer builds the house, they build in vain. But when the Lord builds the house, it looks like this. You know, I continue to argue with myself, look, it's not going to be a big deal if we don't build. Because a church isn't a building. A church is not a building. A church is a network of relationships. A church is you and I caring for one another. I mean that literally. A church is people walking alongside of one another and trying to figure out how to get connected to one another and really love one another and really care for one another and to try to connect with God and figure out how to do that more and more effectively because it's not easy. That's what a church is. So a church doesn't need a building, and I knew on the one hand it wasn't a big deal, but I also knew really it was a big deal because our church had leaned so heavily into this. I knew this was a big deal. So I needed to hear God say, be patient, and I wished I had listened. It would have saved me a lot of anxiety. And I'm wearing this hat this morning because maybe Florida has come full circle. I'm wearing this hat because it reminds me that when you try to build a career or a facility or a marriage or a life, you build in vain unless God builds it. Now, I'm not saying that you can't make progress. 
I know what most of you are like, and I know many of you. You can make progress. We often do make progress by hook or by crook. But it's not going to meet design specifications. What you build is not going to be ultimately satisfying unless God is the one doing the building. It will not be consistent with your purpose, with who you are, with how you're designed. So, I'm wearing this hat to remind me, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand and guard. In vain I rise early and I stay up late toiling for food to eat because it's God who does that. It's God who grants sleep to those he loves. All right, how did we build this building? I won't be as long with these next two questions. First, Scott Long Construction, thank you. Uh, they were immense, but I, I need you to know, honestly, Scott Long Construction and all the steel and everything that you saw in that fast motion dealio and that you'll see in the lobby if you want to see it again, all of that is secondary. There are two primary factors in how we built this building, this community. Number one, we built this building by following God's directive. We saw ourselves as following God's direction. Uh, sometime between late 2011 to early 2013, we were starting to cogitate about what we should do with this. And you need to know, there were periods of time where we thought, maybe we should just sell this property because it was worth an incredible amount of money. Maybe we should just sell this property and give the money away to missions or give the money away to some noble cause. But we continued to feel the press that God wanted us to do something here for this community. So about somewhere in there, late 2011, early 2012, maybe it was even into 2013, in a one-week period of time, I got a call from two different people that I don't ordinarily talk to on a regular basis. One of them is the pastor of another church that our sponsoring church, First Baptist Alexandria, also called him to the area and had him start a church, and, and they've got a booming church down in Lorton right now. He and I talk a couple of times a year, and when we talk, it's usually about family, it's about our health, it's about us, we don't talk about you guys, it's too boring. But this day, we don't talk church business, but he called me up and he said, hey, how's it going, Ed? Doing great. What's up? And he said, you know, I don't know why, but I was thinking and praying about you guys, and I just feel like God has pressed on my heart, it's time for you to build. All right. See you, Rusty. That same week. I got a call from another guy who doesn't live in Northern Virginia. He lives in Texas, and nothing good comes out of Texas. And he called me, and he said, Ed, how you doing? He has been praying for you guys, and listen, got a word for you. And I said, okay, you know, what's up? And he said, it's time for you to build. What? Within that month, we had a guy who used to be on staff here. He was taking a seminary course online, and it was a course in the Old Testament. You know, the dusty part. And he had a professor that morning do a lecture where he was talking about how much God values place. He was talking about the land in the Old Testament. You know, God's everywhere. Solomon, when Solomon built the temple, he has a prayer where he says, look, God doesn't dwell in a human, it doesn't dwell with men, he's not stuck on a spot, and yet this spot is going to be remarkable for God. And he was powerfully convicted that we were wasting a resource that we needed to build. So he comes into staff meeting one day and he says, God is interested in place. We need to build. 
okay, we already know from my earlier conversations with the developer that I am an idiot and stupid, but sooner or later I get it. Rob Showers is one of our elders, part of our congregation, and is also a lawyer and represents lots of churches. And Rob was doing a case not long after this with a, a couple of churches in another state, and they had some dispute going, and, and it, it's a case that went to court, and he brought some church experts in and used them as witnesses in his case. And, you know, he got some free advice on our part, and so Rob said to both of these experts, completely independent of one another, hey, let me ask you just a case study about a church I know, and he starts describing our church. Both of them gave him the same answer. You need to build. Now, I didn't really want to do this. We had tried to come up to this task already once, and I did not want to do it again. Tim, who was up here earlier thanking us, I think it's fair to say that Tim was even more skeptical, but we became convinced that it's what God wanted us to do. And so in an effort to bend our knee and follow God's directive, we decided that we would move forward. We had no idea how we would get from there to where we are now. This seemed completely impossible, but we decided that we would take the next step and then the next and then the next following God's directive. The second factor, the second feature involved with how we built this building, by the way, this is me thanking God. This is me thanking Gateway. This is also me speaking to all of us by analogy about our lives, right? So the second feature involved in how we built this building was God sovereignly assembled the right team. Some of those folks are people that you have seen up here on stage. I would like to call about 200 names. I don't have time. I don't have time to tell you about Jan. I brought these sunglasses because once in a while on Sunday morning, I'll get emotional, and I was afraid I would this morning, so I was just going to put the sunglasses on if I did because Aaron Payne constantly calls me a crybaby. And I don't have time to tell you about my friendship with Jan. I don't have time to tell you about Jan's part in this, how God brought developer to our congregation at exactly the right time with exactly the right skill set and led him to a connection with God because of what Jesus Christ had done. I don't have time to tell you about Anu. I don't have time to tell you about Tim Eagle or Tom Love or Lance Weitzel. All right, I'm going to stop. And I don't have time to tell you how they came to our church, how God assembled them, you, how God brought sovereignly exactly the right team together, not by accident. And I believe you're here today by accident. Even those of you who just came to celebrate with us, I don't think you're here by accident. You barely found it, right? If you plugged in GPS, you went to the wrong church this morning. <laughs> Incidentally, Let's remember that Psalm 127 was written by Solomon in the occasion of, in response to, erecting the temple in Jerusalem. And let's think for a second about what a massive undertaking that was. A friend reminded me recently, those of you who know this part, you know, you've, if you've been to church before, you know this part of the story, you may know this, but uh, Solomon's father was David, who was one of the, King David was one of the heroes of the Old Testament. David wanted to build the temple, and God told him that he couldn't. So what David did instead was, David staged the entire project. 
He brought massive amount of resources together. He gathered those resources and massive amounts of money and massive amounts of talent. And he brought those all together, staged the project just so that his son could step into it and execute it quickly and easily. But during the process of assembling the resources, David never forgot, and I wish we had time to trace this through uh, David's life story, David never forgot that it was God's building. And God was the one building it. And Solomon, during the building process, Solomon never forgot that it was God's building. Because Solomon knew, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain. I rise up early in the morning and frenetically stay up late at night toiling for food to eat. For it's him who grants sleep to those he loves. So, knowing that this would have to be God's effort, God-led, God-driven, God-fueled, we knew that did not mean that we would not be working very, very hard. Assembling talent and assembling resources and trying to employ them wisely and gathering money. Thank you, Gateway. And by the way, if there are any of our bank partners here today, at the end of the service today, we're going to collect an offering at our door because we still have to pay for this building. But if you're visiting with us, your presence is gift enough. Seriously. If you're connected to Gateway and you don't give online, this is the time for us to continue giving. But if our bank partners are here today and you just decided in your heart, you know, let's forget that loan thing, we will say yes. I just want... <laughs> we knew that we would have to be giving and working and assembling, but we also knew that if we didn't keep God at the center of it, it would be in vain. We knew that we might be able to push this rock to the top of the hill, but it would not meet design specifications. We had experience with that. By the way, generally speaking, I think this principle is a tough one for Northern Virginians. All right, let's underline this phrase. Occasionally on Sunday morning, I'll use this, so if you come again, you're likely to hear it. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. Our lives are designed to be lived in deference. The first step forward for us is always a step of surrender. Our lives are designed to be lived in deference. The first step forward for us is always a step of surrender. Right? When Jesus taught us to pray, Jesus said, you know this one, all of you. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not our will. Not our kingdom. Because our lives are designed to be lived in deference. But this is contrary to our thinking and our training, and this is not the way we've been taught to live, you and I. We've been taught, we go to seminars that train us how to make it happen. By the way, if you're running into problems in your marriage or your career or your life in general, this would be a first place to examine. Are you living in deference to God's will? Are you living in surrender? Or are you worried and stressed out and living at a frenetic pace, convinced that you need to make it happen somehow? So how did we build this facility? In short, we relied on God. Not perfectly, but that was our constant and consistent aim, to rely on God. Okay, why did we build this facility? And this one's quick. We built this facility for, let me give you two reasons, and I'm going to give them in reverse order of priority. Secondarily, we built this building, if you're visiting with us today, we built this building for you. And we're serious. 
William Temple was the Archbishop of the Church of England in the early 20th century. He said this, the church is the only cooperative society in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. That's why early on, in our gateway process, we started calling this, Tim Eagle was obnoxious about this, we started calling this a community resource center. He wouldn't let us call it a church. He wouldn't let us call it a facility. He wouldn't, certainly wouldn't let us call it our facility. We called this a community resource center, and that's how we designed it. That's why we designed it to be a children's center during the week with preschool, kindergarten enrichment, and after-school programming. There are a million cameras around here because we were concerned about security for our children's center, our children's program that runs all week long, Monday to Friday. This is a children's center for your children. That's why we didn't build a sanctuary, and we're still trying to figure out our acoustical issues, so I'm, I apologize. We're getting them straight, but that's why we built a gymnasium. We built a gymnasium because years ago, my wife and I live in Ashburn, and years ago, Ashburn was doing at the time what that side of the county was doing at the time, what this side of the county is now doing, and they were building an, a new elementary school every other week. So our youngest kid went to like, I don't know, what was it, Graham? Five elementary schools from kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, when Graham was my youngest, when he was in the seventh grade, I think I coached Graham's basketball team, and this was a group of, how old are you when you're in the seventh grade? Twelve? Uh, 13, something like that. This is a group of 12-year-old boys. Our practice time every week was 10 o'clock at night because that's the only time we could get gym space. That same thing is happening right now in Lunsford and Mercer. We built this gymnasium because of that. We didn't build a sanctuary. We built a gymnasium so you and I could come and play basketball when we wanted to and volleyball. We built it for basketball and volleyball leagues. That's why we built open, flexible space throughout, so we could hang out, so there could be community use. So secondarily, we built this building for you, and we meant it for you. First and foremost, we built this facility to honor God. We wanted to brag about the name of Jesus Christ, and we can be pretty braggy sometimes. As I said, we believed throughout that we were following God's directive. That was our intention. And we decided early on that we wanted to build something very nice because we thought that would honor God. There are design-build firms that will take you from beginning of the process to the end. They're kind of one-stop shop for this kind of an effort. And there are many firms like that specialize in churches. And you get nice designs. You get like church in a box. And you know, like our, many of our homes. Do you want model A, B, C, D, or F? And we can add these tweaks to it. And it's a little cheaper to go that direction, but we decided we didn't want to do that. We wanted to honor God. So we found the most talented, excellent architects that we could find. And we said, let's draw something beautiful. And they did. And then it got built. We built well, and we built in a way that was consistent with our community because we thought that would honor God. Because first and foremost, the reason we built this facility was to honor God. All right, let's end. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and let's sing one final song. And we're going to do a reading in the middle of that song. So let's end with a worship moment. But I want to end by saying this. If you're here today, we don't believe you're here by accident. So some of you are old friends who wanted to help us celebrate. Thank you. Thank you for coming. It's great seeing you. You haven't changed a bit. 
Some of you are our partners, and we can't thank you enough. We've tried to say thanks, but it hasn't been enough. Uh, some of you are wondering if this is a place that you can connect. You're here, and you've seen the building go up. Maybe you came yesterday, or maybe you didn't, and you thought, oh, I want to go check that out. I want you to know, we want to make it difficult on you to just put your toe in. <laughs> we want to draw you in. We want to connect to you. And we want you to connect to us. We want to build a life together. Because that's what church is. Church is not a building. We can do this in a parking lot. We want to connect. Now, we are as difficult as can be, but so are you. You're no picnic either. So let's work this out together because that's what we believe church is designed to do and to be. No matter who you are, you came today to hear Unless the Lord builds the house, say it with me, it's builders labor in vain. You could have said that with more energy. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. And we're going to replace that you with an I. We're going to make this next sentence first person, and we're going to say it together. In vain I rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Thank you. Sorry to keep making you stand up and sit down, but we have a really special song. I'm going to have you stand for this. And in the middle of it, we're going to do a reading, which I'm really excited about. And the point we're kind of getting across here is that, and it's something we preach a lot here at Gateway, is the idea of remembering. And so we cannot move forward as a church without remembering where we've come from and what God has done and what he's overcome to get us here. So during the reading, it's going to be a response by you. And our, when our readers come up, they're going to raise a hand. That's, that's your cue for the response. And the response is, thanks be to God. So let's practice. They're going to read a line, raise their hand, and you'll say, thanks be to God. One more time.
By faith, First Baptist Church of Alexandria received a vision to plant five churches in the Northern Virginia area. By faith, First Baptist called an inner city pastor in Boston to plant one of these Northern Virginia churches. By faith, that inner city pastor responded to the call of Northern Virginia to start a new church. It is no accident that God called this pastor and his family to this place. Thanks be to God. By faith, a Northern Virginia land developer followed God's directive to lead a local church to 31 and a half acres of land in an undeveloped area just south of Route 50 
and west of South Riding, with the vision of that location becoming center and Main Street of Loudoun County in the future. By faith, that developer pursued giving this land to a church when initially rejected by the pastor of a new congregation. By faith, that developer went to the Virginia Baptist Extension Board in Richmond to present the vision for this land so they would buy it for a church. By faith, this board bought this land with the vision of a church being planted there and taking root in that fast developing area. It's no accident they bought this land in the name of a brand new small Northern Virginia congregation who had no name or no money. Thanks be to God. By faith, this congregation set aside the thought of this land and for years pursued authentic Christian community and relationships. It is no accident that God brought many people during those years whose lives were impacted by God's presence and forever changed. Thanks be God. By faith, this congregation bought the 31 and a half acres from the Virginia Baptist Extension Board after five years. Then the next year bought an adjoining one acre of land with a house to serve as the church office. It's no accident that the County of Loudoun on its own zoned the majority of the land as CLI, which allowed the construction of a church on it by right. By faith, this congregation felt God's leading to build a building on the land and conducted the first capital campaign giving over $800,000. By faith, this congregation followed God's leading and paused the first building project to focus on him and his people. This decision was excruciatingly difficult, but God moves even in the difficult. Thanks, God. By faith, the decision was made to use $450,000 from the land building fund to pay down existing debts, a decision that would pay dividends in the future. By faith, in God's immense grace, this congregation moved through a difficult time of testing, including a recession, staff challenges, leadership failures, and declining energy and attendance. Thanks be to God. By faith, an experienced land developer followed his heart and gave his life to Jesus. No one knew what a vital role this developer would play in the future of God's plan. Well, God knew. It's no accident that this developer lives two doors from the senior pastor and sought his counsel as his faith blossomed. Thanks be God. By faith. This congregation moved from Herndon to Mercer Middle School in Stone Ridge to be closer to the land, even though this meant that many members would not be making the journey. By faith, two congregations combined to become one, bringing new strengths and talents to help lead the congregation and a second building project. 
over the next few years by faith, many new people from the Dulles South area joined the congregation. By faith, the decision was made as this congregation emerged from a time of discouragement to follow God's direction to restart the building project. It's no accident the new building team had the right skills and talents to lead this project and navigate through all the activities to make this a success. By faith, it was decided to follow God's new direction for the building and the land to make it a community resource center to better serve the surrounding people. By faith, this congregation conducted a second capital campaign pledging $2.2 million and giving $539,000 or 25.5% of the pledges during the first 15 months of the campaign. By faith, the Virginia Baptist Extension Board loaned this congregation $350,000 interest only the first three years. A North Star Association loaned this congregation $150,000 interest free for, th for three years based on the vision of this congregation. By faith, this congregation made the decision to sell the South Parcel to a development company. By doing so, it provided for the Tall Cedars Road construction across our land, a sewer connection, and turn lanes into our main church parcel, saving millions of dollars. It also provided $1.2 million for the building fund. By faith, this congregation accepted a loan from Middleburg Bank, which enabled it to finally actively pursue the vision God had planted. By faith, this congregation prayed for dry weather and it did not rain, then prayed for rain and it poured. By faith, this congregation watched as the facility rose from the ground, vision becoming steel and stone. By faith, this congregation has overcome every obstacle because of the power and grace of Almighty God and the provision of our Savior and Master, Jesus Christ, and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. And by faith, strengthened by the encouragement of God's past repeated faithfulness and movement, this congregation looks forward with great anticipation to what God will do and where God will take us to reach those that live in this immediate area and serve those that will come.
something powerful yeah. awesome and great is your so much for coming. You have to, it's an order, you have to speak to one person you know. Look, even if this is your first time, you got to know somebody. So speak to one person you know and three people that you don't, and then there are cupcakes outside for you. Uh, there, our ushers will stand at the door and collect offering. If you're part of Gateway and you do not give online, this is an excellent opportunity for you to give. Thanks so much for coming and have an awesome day.